or face just how dark of a place humanity has come to. And to, and to do, do so means that the certain influences in the world must be acknowledged. Hello, welcome to the End Evil Podcast. This is Chris Jansen, your host. I'm here today with a friend, Ronnie Ross. We met through the True Media Roundtable. I met him through uh, another friend, Corey. And Ron and I have been having uh, – is it okay if I call you Ron? Yeah, Ron, Ronald, Ronnie, doesn't matter. Just not Ronald McDonald. That wouldn't be cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, we've been chatting about law. And um, Ronnie's been looking up and studying on the subject of – Common law, is that a, way, a good way to put it? Common law, right? Exactly. And since, you know, I'm all about constantly talking about natural law, it'd be, I thought it'd be a good discussion. And for me, it's something I need to learn a little bit more about because it's been a little bit of a struggle, honestly, for me to um, get into that topic. I've bumped into over the years some of the um, things you get into online when you're on freedom, subject to freedom, and you come across the, like, sovereign citizens and, the whole thing about the contracts and all this type of thing. And I've heard it, heard it here and there, different shows and podcasts, but I haven't really delved in. So, um, thanks for coming to share with me what you've learned. Yeah, man, definitely. I'm excited to, uh, get this information out there and put a case together at some point. So you actually want to go to court. That's the part that trips me out. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. To, to try to, um, Use your skills and see how it works. Yeah, I just I want to start small and by uh, legalizing cannabis in the state of Tennessee. Oh, okay. I feel like that's just a good place to start. It's an easy case. So um, I guess you kind—I of, sent you a little message. You kind of know where I'm coming from on it. For me, it's like yeah. any kind of man's law is a disruption of natural law. So how do you? You know, justify wanting to get involved with that. I know you understand natural law too. How would you justify, um, getting into that world of man's law? Uh, well, this is how common law only coincides with natural law depending on who the person is, you know, suing basically. Um, you know, generally, Common law is not going to work if you're not morally right, though. Um, you know, because the, the whole idea is what is a court? A court is a person in the suit of the sovereign. So it's, you're, you're trying to achieve sovereignty through the court system and it's the person in the suit, which is literally the paperwork of the sovereign or of the sovereignty like that's that's what a court is but what what is a court truly a court is a stage upon which you put a show to prove to the world why you are right that's what a court really is and because that's what it is a, a court really is its imagination land it is invisible it doesn't exist. It it does, but it really doesn't. It's just this imaginary thing. The beauty of common law is that throughout your when you're the entire time that you filed your case, 
you're acting as a sovereign individual. You know, there's a problem with, you know, like you said, you've heard sovereign citizen. I'm sure you may have seen videos. People talk about there are no common law courts anymore. Every courtroom you go into, the American flag has the gold fringes and yada, yada, yada. And granted, there might be something to that. I, I don't know if there is. Maybe there is, but that it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. That's not something that should be argued because regardless of whether that's true or not, the court the, and the, the judges, the bailiffs, the court reporters, they don't know that. They're ignorant of it and they accept that this is the court. And I mean, they, they, they're not even paying attention to the flags as much as anyone else is. So I'm sure there's some significance. I just don't know what it is. But what I'm, what I do know is that whatever that significance is, it doesn't matter. And it's not something you can argue. So the other thing you've heard is sovereign citizen. Well, you can't be sovereign and a citizen. It's not, it's not possible because a sovereign, a sovereign is the master. Citizen is a slave. Well, how, how are you a citizen? Well, the 14th Amendment clearly states that if you're born here and or naturalized here and subject to the jurisdiction of the United States of America, then you are a citizen of the United States of America. Well, and subject to the jurisdiction of the United States of America implies that you could be born here or naturalized here but not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States of America. So let me ask you this. If you weren't, if you were born here or naturalized here, but you're not subject to the jurisdiction of the United States of America, then what would you be? A free person. (laughs) You would be one of the people. See in the constitution of the United States of America, people, the word people is never clearly defined, but The plural of people is people and the singular of people is people. What we do know about people is that the people in we, the people of the United States, two words in order to accomplish this laundry list of tasks that we deem, uh, you know, worth fighting for or worth having do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. I know I paraphrased the, the preamble to the United States constitution. What the preamble does is it sets the stage. It says we, the people created this thing, the constitution for the United States of America. The constitution is the cage, the invisible cage that keeps them at bay or, you know, it's supposed to anyway. I mean, I know it obviously doesn't, but the, uh, I would argue that that's our fault. Um, you have, you have to understand that when you go to court, you want to be one of the people. You, you cannot go to court as a citizen and you can pick and choose. And I'm sure no one's ever told you that you can be a citizen for some purposes and not a citizen for other purposes. Think about it. I'm one of the people. I created the government and the government created the citizens. So if I owned a business and I'm the owner and I hire uh, a janitor 
to clean up the place. Well, I could come in tomorrow and say, today I'm going to be a janitor. And you could be a janitor and clean up and do everything with the janitor. And, you know, that's all well and good. And at the same, and then the next day after that, you could come in and say, okay, now I'm the owner again. You know, you can pick and choose because you own the outfit. So you can pick and choose when going to court. But the thing is, is when you go to court, you have to set the stage just like the preamble in your opening statement, in your complaint, you have a complaint, your points and authorities and the law of the case. In your complaint, you say, I am Ronnie Ross, one of the people of Tennessee or the United States, either or, and in this court of record, do complain of so-and-so. They don't understand the significance of that. They're going to read right over that. The judges, the district attorney, they're going to read right over that. But if they don't object, it means they agree. I mean, it's called tacit agreement in court. It's used every day. People use it all the time. If they do not object, it means they agree. So if you're one of the people, then you're not subject to their jurisdiction. Yeah, there are these contracts. Like, you know, people talk about contracts and common law has to do with contracts and being a citizen. It's all contracts. And it's like, correct, it is. And that's the thing is when if they were to object, let's say, they they can't just object. They're the defendant. You're the plaintiff. They're the, the the burden of proof is on them to prove you're not one of the people, which is impossible. So they could say, well, you have a driver's license. You have a social security card. You have a birth certificate. Um, you know, you you're a citizen. And I'd say, okay, yeah, I do have all those things. Um, and so you're saying that you're in charge because like you have ownership over me because of that. Well, yes. Well, did you know that at the time that I signed the contract? Because I wasn't made aware of it. I mean, that's how contract law works. It's null and void immediately. But, uh, you know, Bill, the guy's, you know, done several cases out there in Orange County, the Bill Thornton that I've learned from, and not once has he ever had anyone challenge him on that point. Not once, because they don't understand the significance. It's just like, oh, one of the people in this court of record, well, they're all courts of record, of course, you know, like that's what they think, even though they're not. But so then you have to understand, well, what is a court of record? Because that is extremely significant. And a court of record has five requirements. It has the power to fine or imprison for contempt. It keeps a record of the proceedings. It's a proceeding according to the common law which means no statutes, no codes, because what is the common law? Well, the common, uh, it's uh, do uh, unto me as I would have people do, you know, I'll do unto you as I would have people do unto me. It's the golden rule. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't kill. I mean, it's pretty odd. Like you don't need written laws. (laughs) Everyone knows. So the fourth and everyone most, should know, but in my experience, yeah. mm-hmm. um, it seems like the vast majority of people I've been around actually believe in this sort of magic. And that's to me where it gets a little tricky with this court thing, where kind of what I hear you describe is there's this nuance on words, right? Where if you use a certain a word a certain way, it means one thing. And if you use it another way, it means another thing. And then there's this whole layer of um, what these words mean that 
most people don't know, and many even of the people in the court situation don't even know what these words might mean. And so by taking advantage of this knowledge, somehow you're going to have some kind of leverage against, you know, this. My trouble with it is, um, okay, you, you know, like what you were describing the court, it could be anything. Like you said, we could imagine anything. Um, I like to imagine like an old dusty town where there are no laws, right? And there's a disagreement between some people and they decide, okay, we're going to have court. Let's pick an impartial person. You're going to sit here and be the impartial person. We're going to argue this out, come to a conclusion. You know, that would be a court, right? right? But that court would all of a sudden be not so fair if the defendant had an uh, armed group of 10 people with him and the plaintiff had was all by himself unarmed. And that's the situation you find yourself into a courthouse where you're completely surrounded with people with weapons that you're not allowed to have. So from the beginning, the whole stage is set where, you know, there's this massive um, power in the hands of the few, and you're just coming in there with your words, and words can be powerful. So I guess that's why I find it interesting to hear more what you're going to say, but I just yeah. can't help but pop in with that point of view of yeah. mine that from the beginning, yeah. they have you at a disadvantage. disadvantage. Well, they can just pull you in their cage. Well, you make a good point because we what people need to realize is we speak three languages in this country. You speak slang. That's what you learn first. There's business or formal English, which you learn from kindergarten all the way through college. And then there's a third language. It's called legal English. The beauty of legal English is it takes hundreds of years for words to change their definition. I don't know if you've been keeping up with any of the news cycle, but you know, it, over the as past little four, as possible. <laughs> yeah, right. Over the past four or five months, uh, Webster's dictionary, uh, you know, on their website have decided to just change the meanings of words willy nilly because they're being pressured by woke people to change the meaning, right? So as you can see, slang changes from day to day, block to block. I mean, what hot means it's hot outside here and hot over there means it's cool. You know, yeah. it's really hot. That's hot, man. Yeah. You know, the normal's not the same as the new normal. Right. <laughs> right. So the fourth, uh, getting back to, uh, the court of record, the fourth and most important requirement is the tribunal. Me, the plaintiff, the tribunal is independent of the magistrate, the judge. A magistrate is there just to oversee things. Can't make any decisions. Can't He can't decree any laws. Can't throw the book. Nothing. He can't do anything unless I give him that power. So let's say the judge, and then the fifth is it generally has a seal. It doesn't have to, but a seal can be as simple as sign your name and then write in all caps, S-E-A-L, seal. You know, that the reason you could do that is because a long, long time ago, uh, common folk like me and you couldn't afford to have a seal made, you know? So it was like, well, then you can just write S-E-A-L. So the magistrate is not the tribunal. And if the judge does decide to make any orders, says anything, all you need to say is, I object. That's it. I object. Well, why do you object? Well, it's not my wish. That's not my wish. Because that my wish is goes back centuries. It's, you know, uh my, you know, a king's wish is your command. You know, you're speaking softly. The whole idea with common laws, 
let them, you know, really, truly, I should be up there. The judge is sitting on my throne. I'm the king. I'm the sovereign individual. I own this outfit. I own the courtroom. I own all the tables, chairs, everything. I can sit wherever I want. But you don't do that. You play the game. You let him think he's in charge. But on paper, and that's the thing, you watch CSI Miami. You watch uh, uh, Law and Order. People that, I mean, my parents watched every damn episode of Law and Order. You watch all these movies, you know, when people are going to court. Well, what is that? put in people's mind that the court, the fight is in the courtroom. The fight is not in the courtroom. The moment you open your mouth in the courtroom, you start screwing yourself. The fight is on paper. That's, that's the suit. That's it. It's, it's on paper. And that's what makes it fair because you have an opportunity to go away from that place where the hearing is and gather your thoughts, put more paperwork together, and have responses and rebuttals back and forth. That's what makes it fair. Because everyone knows when, you know, when people get heated, you know, things can just turn into a screaming match. And it's like, well, you know, originally the suit was, you know, people couldn't read and write a long, long time. I mean, common law, this whole idea of common law goes way back to England hundreds of years ago. With the whole, with the, you have know, you the heard it, the, um, I've heard it brought up like, um, on that podcast, Crow Triple Seven, for instance, and some other resources, they call it like admiral law, like saying that all these laws come from admiralty. Well, that, and that's the thing from on the seas, basically. Yeah. They, and there's, there's absolutely some truth to that. And that what people need to realize is those are inferior courts to the court of record and grant, and this is all in. The Black's Law Dictionary, I recommend you get the fourth edition if you're going to get one because it has the real law in it. What These are not laws. All of these codes and statutes are not laws. If they were laws, they'd be called laws. They're not called laws. They're called codes and statutes because that's what they are because it's statutory law. Statutory law... What these courts are, are they are courts of equity. They're not courts of record. So when, when someone says there aren't courts of record any, you know, there are no courts of record. It's like, right. Because where is the court of record? It's with you, the sovereign at all times. So it's your responsibility when you go to court to invent or bring in the court of record. The court of obviously it doesn't exist. They're not stupid. The government, like they're not just going to hold a bunch of uh, common law courts because they don't have an advantage in that. The, the beautiful thing about common law is the law literally is whatever I say it is or whatever you say it is. And if if it's a law that seems, uh, you know, like Bill's definition is, OK, I have a law that uh, or an example that he has is I have a law that anyone who wears pink shoes in my presence gets the death penalty. Well, okay. Uh, you could try that in a court of record, follow the process. Is that a just law? Is that morally right? Do you think a jury of 12 people would agree to that? Hope no. not. Pro- probably not. Highly unlikely. So the whole idea is that you have to, you have to create the court of record because no one's going to create it for you because you're the sovereign individual. And if you're one of the people, you have all the power. I'm the one who's got, so I'm going to submit the case and then 
I'm going to submit the judgment along with it. Because I have, I'm the tribunal. I'm the king. I'm the, and it says so right there in the court of record definition. So what people so need to understand. What kind of cases like have you looked into like the ones that Bill are doing and stuff? Are they, what type of things are they fighting? Are these like traffic tickets or? Um, yeah, a number of different things. I know one, there was one lady who tried doing that personal check thing, which is like, if you do a personal check, if the person that you give the personal check to does not put that in an envelope and mail it to the treasury, uh, and like follow the process in which you're telling them, which in this lady's case, they just called the police because they thought she was trying to write a fight, a fake check, you know? Um, it's one of those, you know, he had to help her get out of jail and it's like, you know, that's a long, long, long story, but, um, that's, that's one example. I mean, he's helped all sorts of people. Uh, You know, Bill got into this on accident. Uh, you know, he's a computer programmer guy, computer scientist. And, uh, when his father, right before his father passed away, his care, the nurses got him, he had Alzheimer's, got him to sign the house and all his property to the nurses, you know, some really slimy stuff there. Mm. So when Bill took him, took them to court with his lawyer, you know, uh, the outcome was horrible. He, he didn't really go into it, but he, he basically got screwed. And he said, he was kind of like, well, wait a minute here. They've got statues out here. They're advertising justice at this. It's called a justice center for Christ's sake. You know, what, what's going on here? What, what, why, how am I being deceived or, or am I being deceived? And what it really boils down to is self-responsibility. It's not the responsibility of the government to teach you this. It's your responsibility to teach you that. So what happens is, let's say in a criminal court case, you, you know, you've committed a crime. Suppose like take me, for example, smoking weed. I have a felony for cannabis, for selling cannabis. So I go to court, I go to the arraignment. The arraignment is where they take jurisdiction or you give them jurisdiction. They say, are you innocent? Are you guilty? Or are you no low, no contestant? You're not guilty. You're not innocent. Well, they don't finish the sentence. The rest of that sentence is, are you guilty? And you agree that the codes and the statutes are the law? Are you innocent and you agree that the codes and the statutes are the law or are you no low and you agree that the codes and the statutes are the law? Well, the only obvious answer to that is I object. I don't agree. Exactly. I object. I, sorry. You know, and, and that's another thing too is when you're in court and the only thing you should say is I object. Like if you, if the judge asks a question, uses some fancy words and you don't understand, object. If anything happens, he barks orders, anything like that, object. You you need a record of your objections. That's that's what you're building here, is you're building a record. Mm-hmm. So, and you could even ask the question, which I plan on doing this in the first hearing, if it goes south, is I'm going to ask the judge, is this a court of record? I'm like 99% sure he's going to say yes. So, what will happen is you go away, you get to your typewriter, and then you start typing out a writ of error. A writ of error is issued when procedure is not being followed. 
Well, clearly states this, you put this in your, you know, not in these exact words, but in your writ of error, you write, well, this is a court of record. Nobody objected to it. I even asked the judge if this is a court of record. He said it was, and uh, he acted out of line. The tribunal is independent of the magistrate. The magistrate's acting like a tribunal here when he has no right to, because these are the rules that I set up that everyone agreed to. So because of that, uh, and on line, you know, see transcript line, such and such, the judge said this, that, and the other, you know, then at that point, you can sue the judge. Now, I like, you know, again, I get all this from Bill. It, it Do the three strikes you're out policy. If he does it one, do a written warning. He does it a second time, you know, at another hearing, you'd make another writ of error and you fine him and fine him $1 because you're, a king should always do just short of what he could do in court because what that does is it gain, it put, it gets the point out and they respect you for it. I mean, cause you could turn, I mean, you have every right to, don't get me wrong. Like you have every right. These people are evil. We know they're evil. You have every right to sue them for a million dollars, you know, find the judge a million dollars, whatever. But you know, no one's going to take that seriously. You need to be taken seriously. And a dollar gets the point across. It says, I'm not here for money. I'm here for what's right. So then let's say he does it a third time. Well, then now, uh, I have the the first requirement of a court of record have which has the power to fine or imprison for contempt. Well, I gave him two warnings this time. Sorry, buddy, I'm putting out a bench warrant for the judge's arrest. I want the judge arrested and spent 30 days in jail. And you can submit these orders, these writ of errors. All you do is just go back to the county clerk's office. You know, once you put your paperwork together and you just submit it, and then you wait for the next. You know, the, the you've already been given the. The, the next date for another hearing and you just proceed. You just keep things moving. I mean, I've, I've heard that things like this can be done. I still find it honestly hard to believe that it would work in that way. Um, but it sounds to me like from your research, you know, this guy, Bill's had some success. Are there other um, resources you've looked into or other people that are talking about similar ways of dealing with these things? No, because, well, I, 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 yes, in the sense that, yeah, I've found a bunch of people and no one seems to understand what Bill and I understand, not to the full extent, because the whole point of common law is that you're going to meet the requirements of the statutory law and the common law. So you're going to file your paperwork. You're going to follow all the rules of court. You're going to, but granted, you can choose which rules of court you want to do your local rules or do you want to do the federal rules of civil procedure? Bill recommends doing that uh, because there's a, a, a lot more in there that uh, seems seems fair versus what the states offer, I guess. Um, granted, I, I, I have to do more research on that myself. But, how old was, how old were you when you went through your experience? Um, getting... uh, I was 22, 23. Okay. And so you went yeah. through the court. Did you wind up in jail the whole bit? Yeah, I got arrested and they said, you have two felony warrants out for your arrest. They've been out for like a year and two months. I was like, what? For what? They're like, for selling two ounces of marijuana to somebody. I was like, 
It's like I quit selling weed uh, about that around that time. Like I like I haven't sold in so long. I was like so confused. Had mm-hmm. no idea. Didn't hit me until my lawyer gave me the address of the two places, and I went, "Oh my god, that guy set me up!" Wow. Yeah, because they, you know, I sold this guy two ounces two separate times, and unbeknownst to me, they're cops in unmarked cars filming the whole thing, taking photos, and wow, you know, wow, yeah, they set Total me set up. up. They set me up like and a. And so it, that experience is that what um, motivated you to start studying like no. Black's Law and all that? No. No, what what fired you up and got you going on this? Uh, you could almost call it a, an act of God. I was just watching Grateful Dead videos on YouTube in 2017 and happened to see this video, Common Law. I was like, oh, that kind of looks interesting. It might be boring, but I don't know. I love history, the Constitution, America. I'm all into that, so I'll check it out. I watched the whole thing, and I was just like, like I couldn't stop watching and then I was like, well, I need more information. And then I found some other videos of his. And then come to find out, if you email this guy, Dennis Whipple, Dennis Whipple at yahoo.com. Uh, and I know it's a little weird because you don't like know the guy, but if you just give him your debit card or credit card information and he charges you 70, 78 bucks, he sends you the DVDs. And I mean, there's damn 20, 30 DVDs and about 15 or 20 of them are about eight hours long. So mm. <laughs> there's, there's a so lot you, of information. You went through all that information. Yeah. Well, or, I or is it more like reference? You, you kind of have to go well, in when you're looking for something. Well, it's, no, it's lectures. So okay. the best thing to do is just start at the beginning and just listen to all of them. Because this, here's the thing is the whole, the reason I say that common law can coincide with uh, natural law is just in the sense that at least when I'm going to court, I know the truth. I know what's right. And that's what I'm fighting for. I know at the same time that it's moral relativism. It, it absolutely is because the law is whatever the hell I say it is. It's not really natural law is all there is. I know that. But what, what, what do we want to do? I would rather try this, fail, go to jail, and then I can say, you know what? It didn't work. Now it's time for the bloody revolution. Hmm. But, you know, and granted, I'm all, I'm all for it. Let's take up arms and let's go, you know? But a lot of people are going to die. It's going to be really, really bad, you know? And we should try to avoid that at all costs. Yeah, and revolution, you know, even inherent in the word revolution is coming back to where you started from. And we've seen that through history over and over. Revolutions always fail because unless we're having an evolution of thought, you know, and that's kind of what I'm pointing to with End Evil Podcast is we need to stop being part of evil. We need to stop thinking evil. We need to direct our lives. But that being said, like I have a good friend right now who I interviewed um, quite a few back, um, Rob, who, you know, he's been in trouble with the courts. They've, you know, they've got him on their leash, you could say. Right. And, and in a lot of cases, the things he's being um, blamed for, he has never done at all. But because they have these papers and um, they have all this power, they can strong arm people. Basically, you can wind up in a situation where you have never harmed anyone and you haven't even harmed yourself. And you're at the mercy of these um, well-armed right. gang, basically. And they're going to come say, you need to show up on such and such a date. And, if you show up totally unarmed, 
you know, you don't have a chance. You're, you're just their vic- You're just a victim. Right. But what you're, what you're offering is at least you can come in armed with the power of words and knowledge. And that I have a lot of respect for. And so because if you understand their treachery and their trickery and you know what they're doing and you, maybe you can even get around it. Yeah. Well, because court is psychological warfare. It's a battle of the minds. Whoever the wittiest it one is, is the one that usually wins. The beautiful thing about common law is you present all your evidence, your argument, everything in your paperwork. So in the very beginning, the very first thing you submit, it's all in there. So if the defense wants to do motion for discovery, they need, they need to find all this. It's like discover what I gave it all to you. I don't have anything else. Sorry. Not going along with discovery. There's nothing to discover. (laughs) Sorry. You know, I have the power. I also have the power to deny that. So in your friend, in my situation, in your friend's situation, what we didn't know, what he didn't know, when a claim is filed against you, file a counterclaim. Because none of this common law works when you're the defendant. None of it. You can't do any of this as the defendant. You have to be the plaintiff. Well, you can make yourself the plaintiff by filing a counterclaim. So you go from the defendant and plaintiff to the counter plaintiff and the counter defendant. Now you're on top. Now you're in charge. Now you're in a court of record. Now you're winning. And the beautiful thing is, is let's say, let's say, uh, you know, really through my theory, at least the theory is there. The only way they could beat me is to trash the system. I, I might be naive, but I really don't think they're going to trash the system just to beat me, little old me. I really don't. I think once they realize that I have completely boxed them in with law, number one, they will respect me. And two, they can go to their superiors. The judge can go to the appellate court judges and say, I did everything I know to do. I'm boxed in. I can't make any decisions. We're in a court of record here. The tribunal's independent. They're going to grab their Black's Law Dictionary, fourth edition, and be like, oh, my God, this kid is something here. This is incredible, you know? That's what I think is going to happen. I'd love you to know? see it. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, I just, you know, need to put it together. And that's the thing is even if you sign your rights away like a contract, granted, I know there's contract law even if you sign your rights away, you're still sovereign. And that's because of, uh, the Chickarilla tribe versus, uh, uh, Marion versus, uh, J Chickarilla Apache tribe. And, uh, is it cool? Can we do share screen sharing in this? Um, we can try. Yeah. I think I have to allow. Yeah. Um, vent sharing options. Let's see. I think that little arrow next to share screen. All participants. Okay. See if that works. Can you do it? Sure does. That's it. All right. Can you see that? Yep. So this is all you need from that case. This is something you could use. It is one thing to find that the tribe has agreed to sell the right to use the land and take valuable minerals from it, and quite another to find that the tribe has abandoned its sovereign powers simply because it has not expressly reserved them through a contract. To presume that a sovereign forever waives the right to exercise one of its powers unless 
It express, expressly reserves the right to exercise that power in a commercial agreement, turns the concept of sovereignty on its head. That's saying you're still sovereign even if you sign your rights away. Mm-hmm. It, and and you've got that case right there. You bring that. All you need is that paragraph. And there you go. So, so if they try to fight, you know, you have a birth certificate, you have, it's like, well, doesn't matter. I'm still sovereign. And you knew that it was an unfair deal at the beginning of the contract anyway. I was born. So obviously I wasn't told because I couldn't talk. Like, you know, you see the, the unfairness, the whole, and the, that was the thing is when we broke away from the king, we were self-governing. Internal, mo- we left monarchy for internal monarchy. And at the time of the revolution, there were more law books being sold and shipped to the United States of America than were sold in all of England because everybody was a lawyer back then. Everyone was interested in it. everyone because of the tyranny. They didn't have a choice, you know? So it's like, yeah, the court is evil. It is the devil, but shoot, man, let's play by the devil's rules. Why not? He set it up. Uh, it's been set up unfair against him anyway. And he doesn't even realize it. And that's the beauty of common law is you have complete control and judges can't do anything. You can find them, imprison them, doesn't matter. The the main thing is, is if for whatever reason the defense wants to take it to trial, that's the thing, man. Think about it this way. If I don't know if you've ever been in trouble, but I know when my, when I asked, I asked my attorney, I said, well, okay, they're giving me a plea deal. What's my other option? He said, we can take it to trial. And he's like, if you lose, you will get the full penalty. Well, every time a lawyer tells his client that nine times out of 10, they take the plea bargain. Right. It's almost like the bait and Flip switch in sales. Flip it. Flip it. Imagine it's, it's the other way around on them. They know that they're going to say, ah, uh, we're going to ask for a trial. And then that guy gets to pick the jurors, a jury of his peers. What if he picks all pot smoking hippies? Uh, we're screwed. It works the same way. The same amount of fear is going to be inflicted on them. I mean, at least this is the theory. This is the idea. I mean, again, you can't, you know, the thing about the court of record, like this is in the Black's Law Dictionary. This is the fourth edition, page 425 and 426. You know, if you were to ask, uh, if you were to ask, uh, uh, any, Lawyer or any judge is the Black's Law Dictionary a credible source of information to use in your court cases? 100% of them would say, yes, absolutely. I use it every day. I mean, it's like the gold standard in law. Granted, there's also Bouvier's doc, uh, dictionaries. I don't know if I pronounced that right. There's, uh, uh, there's another one. Uh, there's several, but the Black's is like the Webster's dictionary for law, basically. Um, so, you know, you see this and, you know, it goes on to say that, you know, on the court of record, it's uh, courts 
may be classified and divided according to several methods and following the following being more, uh, the more usual courts of record and courts not of record. The former being those whose acts and judicial proceedings are enrolled and recorded for a perpetual memory and testimony and which have the power to infine or imprison for contempt. Error lies to their judgments and they generally possess a seal. Courts not of record are those of inferior dignity. All other courts are of in, uh, that are not courts of record are of inferior dignity. So that's something else. When you when you uh, put your paperwork together, the the title is going to be Superior Court of Tennessee or whatever state you're in, or Superior Court of the United States, because it's the Superior Court. The Maritime, your Admiralty, your Equity Courts are all inferior courts to a court of record. The court of record is proceeding under the common law. It is the highest law of the land. The common law is the law of the land. So what is, um, when it's talking about on the next um, paragraph, it's saying a court of record is a judicial tribunal having attributes and exercising functions um, independently of the person of the magistrate. What are they talking about? What does magistrate mean? Okay, a magistrate is someone who has uh, magisterial, uh, if that word's wrong, I apologize for anyone listening. Uh, the magistrate is like the overseer of things, just like, you know, make sure that it doesn't turn into a screaming match. You know, it's like, oh, order, order, order. We got to be civilized here. You speak and then you speak. That's it. That's all. And, oh, uh, give me that paperwork. Okay, we'll put it into the the record. Okay, let me take your paperwork. We'll put it into the record. Okay, that's about it. Um, etymon, etymology website says, a civil officer in charge of administering laws, office or function of a magistrate, public functionary, originally magisterial rank or office. It's hard when they just keep repeating the same word like that chief director so justice of the peace i guess yeah that makes sense that's what you're saying yeah it's the just judge. a person who's um administering right right, right. exactly which is okay. the judge that's okay. the judge that's the judge's role in a court of record and the judicial tribunal would that be whoever's present is, in the court right. of record it's, it's right. It would be me. It would be the plaintiff. The tribunal is independent of the person of the magistrate. So what that's saying is unlike equity court, unlike maritime and admiralty law and courts where the judge is not only the magistrate, but the tribunal at the same time in those courts in a court of record, the judge is separate of the tribunal. The tribunal is the person seeking justice, the plaintiff. Hmm. If, that, if that makes sense. So when you bring up this court of record thing, you're talking about something different than what might otherwise be going on in the courtroom is basically what you're saying. Right. Well, what that's again, when, okay, if I can, you're in my, let's take my situation just because I know exactly what happened when they, I, I got arrested or kidnapped, truthfully, okay. Um, I've I've got kidnapped and 
taken against my will, put in a cage, and then uh, had to go to court. I got bailed out by my parents and then had to go to court. Well, in between that time, okay, there's obviously there's a claim that I violated their codes and statutes. Mm-hmm. Well, knowing now what I know now, what I should have done is, okay, well, I'm one of the people, so they just overstepped their jurisdiction. The, I own them. They don't own me. The people own the government. The government owns the citizens. We know that because of the 14th Amendment and the preamble. So I'm one of the people. They overstepped their jurisdiction. They kidnapped me. You don't use words like arrest because that implies that they had jurisdiction. You say literally kidnapped because that's what it was. I was taken or taken against my will. You have to, because there is a claim against me, I should have filed a counterclaim before that hearing ever happened. I should have filed a counterclaim. And granted, you could file a counterclaim all the way up until you're about to have the judgment. And then, you know, you could just be like, I fire your lawyer and uh, no, here's my counterclaim. Sorry. You know, I mean, but generally it would be wise to do it in the beginning. If a claim is being made against you, you have to file a counterclaim. That's the only way to make yourself the plaintiff. Or you could file a habeas corpus, which is a family fight between the courts, the equity court and the common law court to see who has jurisdiction. And undoubtedly, because I'm one of the people, and this is a court of record, the state, which has authority that I gave them, overstepped their jurisdiction and are now trying to control and take over one of the people? No, 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 no. That's not what was written. That's not what I wrote in the Constitution. I mean, figuratively, obviously, I didn't literally write it, but we all, as people of the United States, figuratively wrote the Constitution. We all figuratively wrote the Constitution of the state that we live in. Yeah, that's, that's for me, part of the tricky aspect of it is that being put, like you were saying, into a contract without having my permission to be in it. But nevertheless, we find ourselves in these situations, right? And um, let's just say, for instance, we meet someone in the coming weeks who um, is trying to make this decision. Like I described, I have a friend who's in a situation where it's very likely he's going to have to go to court at some point, and they're going to try to maybe even put him in jail. So you're, there's risk involved here, right? Like let's say this person comes to you. You've done some research. You're feeling good about, confident about what you've learned. Now, how do you feel about actually taking that risk now when it might come down to that person actually spending years in jail? Do things not go as we hope, you know? How would you approach that in actuality um, if someone came to you for advice? And that's, well, that's the risk they have to be willing to take because when Bill was first learning all this many, many years ago, yeah, about four or five people he tried to help before he fully understood it did go to jail. Yeah. And in that case, you'd probably be facing a worse amount of time had you not, you know, had you taken the bargain, right? Possibly. It is. So there is, there is risk involved, but any type of fighting for truth or freedom, there's always going to be risk. Right. Well, and what do lawyers say? What, what is the big thing? Well, no, you should never represent yourself in court because you're too emotionally invested. It's like, that is some trickery nonsense 
created by lawyers for lawyers to keep lawyers employed. Of course, you're emotionally invested because it's your livelihood at stake. That's exactly why you shouldn't hire a lawyer because if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. You know, and granted, people do succeed in the statutory system, but why would you ever want to give the judge power? You know, that makes no sense at all, especially from what hopefully anyone's learned from this today is that you've got to know that you're one of the people you've got to cut. You've got to create the court of record. You've got to file a counterclaim. You've got to file a habeas corpus and say, no, 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 you don't have jurisdiction over me. I'm one of the people I'm self-governing. And on top of that, I created you. I gave you the power that you have. You can't do anything unless I tell you you can. The slavery really works in that the people own the government. We're free. Anyone who volunteers to work for the government has volunteered to be our slave for a certain amount of time is the reality of what of what's really going on. And granted, I know that, again, we're trying to get away from slavery. I'm all about it. My big argument for common law is that Damn it, man. Like it's this or a fight, a physical fight with hundreds of thousands of millions of people with AR-15s, you know, like it's one or the other. And I'm all for the fight, the revolution, but I can't get anyone else that wants to organize with me. And any of the militias, so-called militias that I've talked to, uh, none of them are ready to organize and start an invasion, go invade DC and just like, you know, hang all the people that deserve to be hanged who swore an oath to uphold the constitution and have broke it several hundreds and hundreds of times. You know, it's like, do these words mean anything? Do the words in the black law dictionary mean anything? Do the words in the constitution mean anything? Absolutely. They do because people have died for it. And, and that's another point you could make. It's like, you know, the state is running rampant here, not following the words that we have, that people have died for and set out for them to follow so that we can pursue happiness and enjoy life. So, you know, it's, and something too, I'd like to show you is this will blow your mind and you can go to any, any constitution any state constitution. Look at Tennessee's. You got Tennessee, you got the preamble, and then what's the very first thing after the preamble? It is right there. That all power is inherent in the people and all free governments are founded on their authority and instituted for their peace, safety, and happiness. For the advancement of those ends, they have at all times an unalienable and indefeasible right to alter reform or abolish the government in such manner as they may think proper. Mm, That's all I need. That's all I need. I don't need anything else in my court case in Tennessee for legalizing cannabis. I'm one of the people you swore an oath to uphold that it binds you. It doesn't bind me. It binds you. You're the one that swore an oath to uphold it. Not me. And I'm one of the people, and right here, I have the right to alter, reform, or abolish the government in such a manner as I may think proper. Based on that, if if the logic is there, I could sue the government, remove him, and make myself the government for as long as I want to make myself the governor. <laughs> you could do it with the presidency. You could take it that far as well. 
If the, I mean, at least in theory, do these words mean anything? I mean, I know that these judges and lawyers have family that are in the military, people that have died, given their lives for that fucking flag, that battle flag right there. I mean, it's like, of course the words mean something. So again, that's why I say the only way they can beat me is if they trash the system. And, and the thing that, you know, I've been trying to get lawyers to help me do this. And I just realized, oh, that was dumb because they're not going to help. So what, you know, the, but what I wanted to tell these lawyers is like, Hey, all I need your help with is just like paperwork stuff. I don't, I don't need you to, to write the paperwork. Just, you know, just kind of help me with like the procedure a little bit. You know, I've read the, the rules and it's, uh, you know, it's just a little confusing here and there. And I'm looking words up and I'm trying to make sense of it. It's kind of like, ah, it's like how many times do we go is kind of what I need. It's like, okay, I present paperwork. Then the defense does. And then I do again. And then I guess I, the judgment, I would assume, you know, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. And that's something I need to find out before I go to court, you know, but it, obviously there could be things in the way because if the judge thinks that he's the boss and doesn't know, and more than likely he will because he's ignorant and doesn't know. But you know, that's what your court case also is, is a damn history lesson. <laughs> You know, and these things are unarguable. I mean, it's like they're going to read that and, be, and look at your site and be like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution of the United States of America, the Constitution of the state of Tennessee, uh, the, uh, Chisholm versus Georgia, uh, the Marin versus Chickarilla Apache tribe. You know, they're going to see all of these things and be like, he's got us boxed in. There's nothing we can do. And if theory, if the theory serves me right, I'm, you know, I think that I will be successful in this because what needs to happen is I want to do this thing with cannabis just to prove that the theory is right. You know, if, if, if it fails and I did everything right, then maybe I'll find out that I don't know what I think I know, but I'm pretty sure I know what's true because it makes sense. I mean, this is, you know, I'm going to go to court. I'm going to wear a suit and tie. I'm going to look nice. I'm going to present paperwork. I'm only going to say in court, I object. You know, anything happens I don't like. Judge acts out of order, out of the rules of what the court of record are. I'll issue a writ of error. I'll give him a warning. I'll fine. And then imprisonment, if it goes that far. Um, And theoretically, once... I can prove this case, win this case and prove that this is true, then it's on. Because then it's like the next thing is I'm going to go for the water company putting fluoride and chlorine in the water. We're going to put a stop to that. You know, and that's the thing. This is what you constantly see is you constantly see all these people that have gone to court, even as the plaintiff, but they're still in an equity court. They're not in a court of record. And what happens? The judge makes a decision in favor of the millionaire, the billionaire, or his crony friends that are on the defense, the water company, whatever. And it's unjust and it's immoral. Well, that hello, dumbass. It's because you're not in a court of record. You don't have power. It doesn't matter how hard you fight. That's the thing is people have rights, have all the rights. Citizens only have privileges granted to them by the government. You know, it, because citizens are under the jurisdiction of the United States of America. 
You sit when they tell you to sit. You stand when they tell you to stand. That's it. People, on the other hand, have no higher authority. There is no higher authority but mine. And God, obviously, but the sovereignty is within me. And that's the thing, too. In your court case, you don't you don't even have to utter the word sovereignty. I mean, granted, yeah, when you put the definition of a court of record and the extra stuff that's in there in the court cases, and yeah, sure, that's fine. But you're not going to say, hey, I've been harmed here and uh, I'm a sovereign individual and uh, this isn't right. You know, you don't word it like that. You've got you've got to play the game of the psychological warfare. And undoubtedly, at least, you know, Bill's been very successful. And have you looked into um, Cal Washington? I know some friends of mine did an interview. Um, Will and John from the Freedom League, Natural Freedom League, did an interview with Cal Washington. I know he's someone that um, has worked on something similar, and I haven't dug in um, to that deep. But I know there's a lot of other people out there, too, that have worked on these different routes towards um, battling the legality using words inside of the courtrooms. And so, you know, it seems like there's a lot of research to be done on that. I really get frustrated with it. it I, I really don't have the patience for it, but I think I'd feel differently if I had a court date approaching, you know, because like you're saying, I'm not really um, willing to die at this point in that way, you know, that you would have to, if you really were just, saying, no, I'm not playing your game at all, then it would be like you or me. And I'm not sure if I'm quite there yet. And so um, if I wound up getting in trouble with the law, I would probably be calling you up, being like, okay, explain this to me again. But um, I'm not sure. Part of The other part of me is like maybe just, no, I'd rather just die if it comes down to that. I'm never going back in one of these courtrooms. My experience in the courtroom was kind of seeing the, it from the other end, working there as a maintenance man and seeing um, people day in and day out getting put away, people getting treated like, you know, herded like sheep basically. And like, I know in certain courtrooms, um, the, you never have a chance to say anything for yourself. They're going through cases so quickly, you know, people, maybe they don't know that they have the right to speak up, but um, they don't give the people like in a traffic court very much opportunity to say anything. You know, you'd have to be very assertive to get in a few words. And yeah. I'd be curious well, to see. You don't want to, though, you know? Like you you're saying, that's not the battle in court. It's it's with the paperwork, right? Exactly. You say yeah. everything you need to say on paper. Because the moment you open your mouth in court, you start superseding your paperwork. Because you're building a record of something else now. I see. And that's why it's very unwise to open your mouth. Now, something that Bill did that is like mind blowing is like, so let's take the example of your friend is what he did is he written or he wrote an order up and had, uh, you know, the guy again, you can't rep with common law. It's self responsibility. I can't represent you. I can't do it for you. You have to do it yourself. Granted, obviously we could put the case together and teach each other and learn and all that, obviously. But when it really comes down to it, it's your name on the paperwork and it's you standing up there in front of the judge and the defense attorney, uh, you know, battling it out and trying to use the wisdom that me or Bill had imparted on you, you know. But what Bill did is he had this guy that was being treated very, very unfairly, but he understood that he was sovereign and uh, 
somehow through the grapevine found Bill, found Bill to help him. Well, Bill, what he did was he wrote up an order. He wrote up an order that said, if, uh, I'm basically, I want you to make me a special court master. And he filed the order with, uh, the, county clerk's office then they went to the next hearing and he shows up and the case is called and then bill walks up to the podium and he says hey your honor uh i'm de- i'm declaring the superior court of california now open and in session if you refer to the document that i submitted to the court uh the plaintiff or the counter plaintiff here has made me special court master in this case. And I would invite the court to release the inferior court to release jurisdiction of this matter to the superior court until the things in this case uh, have been settled. And the judge said, if you will put that in writing, I will do it. <laughs> hmm. You know, and, and, you know, granted, he tells the story much better because he was there and it's, uh, you know, a good 20 minutes when you listen to him tell it. But I mean, he and he talks about it. He's like, I was that's the thing is you've got to be able to reason your way through this. It This is if you can't reason your way through it, this is not for you. Com- if you need an example for every situation that's going to come about, the common law is not for you. Just forget about it. You've got to be able to reason. And there's a great quote that um, I actually sent it to my stepdad last night. Um, so I'll just pull it up here instead of looking for it. So this is uh, it's very great. Wise men are instructed by reason, men of less understanding by experience, the most ignorant by necessity, and the beasts by nature. In Letters to Atticus by Cicero, Marcus Tullius Cicero. I don't know the significance of that, but regardless, very well said. Wise men are instructed by reason. You have to be able to reason your way through it. So when Bill did that, he was just, he's like, if A is true and B is true, then C must also be true. He said, up until the judge said that about if you will put it in writing, he said his knees were shaken. He's like, I didn't know. I, you know, they have the guns. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the thing too. What people need to understand, you know, I've seen these guys, these common law guys on, they, they think they know, and they just don't on YouTube that they're like, they stand up and they're like that, you know, they riddle off all these court cases and they're like, that's a gold fringe flag back there. And this isn't a common law court. And it's like, dude, you can't, you can't do that. And I also know that, yeah, we do have an attitude of these people are evil. F them, screw them. You know, I want to go up there with a damn Bowie knife and rip his damn heart out, you know, because of how evil this person is and what they're trying to do to me. But you, you've got to make your enemies love you in this process as well. And that's something else that it seems to me, if you go to court with this paperwork, so professional and pristine looking, you're wearing a suit and tie in there. You look just like they do. You're playing the game. They're going to respect you. I guarantee they're going to respect you. They're going to be like, this is incredible. Mm. The judge, I, I think the judge will be like, wow, finally an interesting day at work. All It's been boring up until now. 
Finally, someone that knows something. Sweet. Give us a run for our money. About damn time, you know? Well, I mean, I hope to see, you know, I I hope you're right. You know, part of me still, I got to admit, part of me is still skeptical. But, you know, you've you've done the studying into this, and this isn't something I've really looked into. So I'm really appreciating hearing this point of view and um, what you've learned. Could you bring up that screen share one more time, maybe show if anyone's listening, um, what was it, one, two, one, five? Oh, yeah, 1215 is the year that the magnacarta.org. If yeah. people want to check out where um, where Ronnie's been studying up on this and learn about, does uh, Bill do uh, videos or YouTube videos? Or, he does. Um, okay. And, like, check it out, Red Pill Expo. Nice. But yeah, you just enter the website, take the blue pill or the red pill. You know, the, the, it's very easy to navigate this website. You know, he's got all sorts of different stuff. Cool. You know, the DVDs of lectures. Um, basically, what you do is Dennis Whipple, send him an email at DennisWhipple at Yahoo.com. Give him your debit card. He's not a thief. He's not going to screw you. It's 70, uh, at least when I bought it in 2017, it was like $77. Looks like it's, looks, uh, looks like it's about a hundred bucks now. So, um, you send him your information, uh, you know, wait for him to respond, obviously, but say, Hey, I'm interested in Bill's lectures. He'll, you give him your information. He'll run it through PayPal, whatever he uses, and then he'll send you the DVDs. And then you can start going through them yourself, you know, and huh. something I'm doing right now that, you know, how Mark Passio has the arc drive that people can right. do for him. Well, what I'm trying to do is I want to get all these DVDs organized on my computer. I've been slowly ripping them and I want to people to send me a, flat, a hard drive and I will fill it for free. You know, I don't, I don't even want to take donations for this stuff, you know. I mean, I know, you know, granted that's because I plan on having, you know, a job in, in, uh, you know, computers or whatever, but I, this information deserves to be out to the public for free. I don't own it. I don't want to make money off of it. I just want to help people. That's what this is all about. It's all about truth and freedom. And this is just one way that we can fight for truth and freedom without pulling a gun and without physically fighting the government. You can literally Make the government your bitch if you do it right. <laughs> like the sound of that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, much but appreciate we'll your uh, your time on this. This has uh, been educational for me, and hopefully, yeah. whoever's listening, you know, um, gives them something new to research and understand, and maybe even a tool they could use for leverage. Yeah, and I just want people great. to know that that you know I am going to file this case eventually. Hopefully, this year. That's the goal, and. I'm willing to be crucified for it. I know that I, I might go to jail. They might trash the system, but I'm it, it's worth it in my eyes. Well, let's I'm, stay in touch, and i like to see how, how it goes with this yeah, project definitely. you're working on. Awesome. Definitely, definitely. All right. Appreciate yeah. it, Ronnie. Yeah, thank you Great so talk. much. Thank you so much for doing this. It's awesome. Oh, hey, uh, one last thing that's uh, really, really important. Uh, if you ever, if you decide not to pay your taxes, which, uh, I didn't for years and it's kind of long story. I ended up paying them, uh, uh, and I pay them right now, but I won't once I get my property, uh, that is the plan anyway. Um, I just want to show you this real quick. 
7806B. Okay, so some, if you ever go to court, tax court, because you didn't pay your taxes, they're trying to get you back taxes. Well, the tax court, by definition, is a court of record. So you're in charge from the get-go. Granted, you're still going to have to make yourself the counter. You're still going to have to file a counterclaim, make yourself the counter plaintiff. But this is the only point you need to do not be like, uh, oh, he's written a bunch of books, but he still went to jail a bunch of times. Uh, his name escapes me. Don't be like that guy who fought. The 14th Amendment was never legally ratified. Therefore, it's like, it doesn't matter. They think it has, so it has, unfortunately. But luckily for us, in the Title 26 tax code, 7806 subsection B, it says right here, arrangement and classification. No inference, implication, or presumption of legislative construction shall be drawn or made by reason of the local grouping of any particular section or provision or portion of this title, nor shall any table of contents, table of cross-references, or similar outline analysis or descriptive matter relating to the contents of this title be given any legal effect. The preceding sentence also applies to the side notes and ancillary tables contained in the various prints of this act before it's enactment into law. That is a fancy way of saying that the tax code is not law. It's not law. The only reason anyone loses is because they open their mouth and they didn't argue this point. That is the only point you should argue in one of those cases, in a tax case. That's the only one. The only one. Uh, I just want to. I just want to end it with that because that's an important one that I want people to know about. Mm, thanks, Ronnie. Appreciate it. Yeah, I, that might come in handy. <laughs> For sure. I haven't had to face that tribunal yet. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Well, um, let's keep in touch and let me know how it goes, and maybe we'll do a. a on the other side and we find out what happens, um, a follow-up, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or if you make some progress. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I don't, I never wound up going, um, I was kind of putting off eating something and I was going to go get a sandwich right before our meeting, but I never wound <laughs> up doing that. So I'm like starving now. Oh, <laughs> go for it, go grab some food. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, I mean, it, I, I wish I had the attention to, um, or the patience it takes to kind of look more into this stuff, but it just, I don't know, it's like I have a block well, for uh, the, the whole legal system. The law is so easy to understand, it's confusing. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I like to explain it. It's It's so easy to understand, and that's why it's confusing. I feel like it'd be easier to teach a child than it would an adult. Because, because an adult has seen CSI Miami. An adult has seen Law and Order. They've got all these ideas. Preconceptions. Of how, of, yeah. of how it goes. No, you can't do that. It's like, well, uh, the Black's Law Dictionary was written over a hundred years ago and the lawyers agree that this is a credible source of information. So what do you mean? How is that not? What do you mean? I can't. It says right here I can. And they think that that's viable. So that's their Bible, right? <laughs> exactly. That's their Bible. Mm. <laughs> they screwed themselves and they don't even know it. But most of the people don't know that they have this power. You know? Well, it makes sense to me too with the philosophy of so many other things that, you know, I didn't understand the littlest thing about freedom until I started digging into the subject and come across people saying that 
oh, taxation is stealing. It's like, oh, how come I never thought of that? I never even heard anyone say that for whatever, 38 years of my life, you know? Oh, no, shoot, man. Oh, my gosh. Like, it was a, it was a shock, you know? It was like, oh, yeah, it is stealing. No one told me that, you know? Yeah. And I had never really reconsidered it for most of my life. It took a long time for that, you know, and it's until someone points it out that, you know, that you realize. So it just yeah. goes to show how crazy our um, indoctrination is working. Yeah. And what's crazy, though, is the legal libraries are open to the public. All the information's there. It's available for everyone. They're not hiding anything. Right, I mean, right. You know, at least when it comes to putting cases together, there's nothing's being hidden. You know, it's all mm. available. It's and that's that's the that's what I love about the Republican form of government, even though granted, I do understand. Granted, I have I have spent so much time with Mark Passio. I mean, you could consider me like obsessed with his work because I watched his videos incessantly. I understand that government is slavery. I also understand that common law is not natural law. I understand that even though. Even though I'm in the right doing this, it's still moral relativism. It is. But it's, again, it's like, I would rather at least try. I would rather try this and fail. And then when that, at that point, then let's go. I'm all in. Let's do the bloody revolution. Let's just mm. try this first and see what happens because no one has tried this. Bill's done this out there in California, but never for anything significant. Like legalizing cannabis, like really fighting for people's rights, majorly. It's like, I'm not doing this just for myself. This is for all people. You know, this isn't because I want to be famous. I'm only, I'm doing this because I have to, because I have this knowledge and I'm so sick of all of us being taken advantage and being under this state of duress. It's like, well, guess what? I'm about to turn it around. I'm going to put the state of duress on the state. If enough people were to have that attitude, it would definitely work. Well, and imagine this. If enough people, if millions of people sued at the same time and knew what I knew and put their case together the exact same way, imagine just the financial burden alone it mm-hmm. would put on the state. Right. They would, in droves, you would see this, you would see all of our freedoms just magically appear again. You know, and, and again, if this works, I'm going for the water company. I'm going to get the TSA out of our airports. I'm going to get all this coronavirus. I mean, granted, I'm only one guy. I can only do so much. That's why I want to teach and have other people. But again, this is just theory right now. Yeah, Bill has won his cases in California, but I haven't won any of mine. So you don't really know something until you've practiced it. So right now, this is just a theory. I'm going to put it into practice this year and we'll see what happens. Right on. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, man. I'm excited. excited. I'm right on. <laughs> All right, Ronnie. Well, I'm going to get myself a sandwich. Appreciate All it. Right, Chris. Thanks yeah, for man. hanging out and sharing your um, knowledge with me. Yeah, man. Definitely. And we'll, um, we'll catch up next time around. All right, Come back to some true media. We'll see you then. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. All right. Bye. All right, dude. Have a good night. You too. Later man. On.